Hi everyone, and you're very welcome to Reinventing the Next Chapter, a podcast where I speak to women who, either through choice or through circumstance, have had to take a step back, reevaluate their lives, and make some powerful changes. I'm your host, Elaine Ryan, life, career, and relationship coach. If you're feeling stuck or not where you thought you'd be in life, my hope is that these stories will give you the inspiration and more importantly, the motivation to take the first step towards reinventing your next chapter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode four of Reinventing the Next Chapter. Today, I'm very happy to be joined by my childhood neighbor and now, among many other things, a mature medical student, Lorna Kane. Lorna, how are you today? Hi, Elaine. Um, I'm good. Thanks a million for having me on. Oh, I'm delighted to have you here and such an interesting story. So do you want to give a bit of a background as to who you are and what you do? My name is Lorna. I'm a mom. I have two kids and I'm married to a wonderful, supportive husband. I'm on the wrong side of 40, as you mentioned. (laughs) As you mentioned, I'm currently in the middle of a graduate medical degree, having left Dublin Fire Brigade a couple of years ago to pursue that. Very interesting to have worked in the fire brigades and then also gone back to study medicine. And with two smallies is no mean feat. So when you were younger, did you have any idea what you wanted to do with your life? Not in the slightest. I'd say I floated very much kind of through secondary school and my primary degree, which was in arts in UCD. So like I always had a job, a paid job from, I think, second year in school. And I worked in the bank nights uh, through my primary degree. So I knew like I had the CV with lots of experience on it. So I never kind of worried that like, gosh, I'd be without a job. And I was lucky enough that I, I always did quite well academically and was interested in learning, but I'd never had a picture of a career or kind of aspirations of like being super successful or anything like that. And I'm not sure I do even today, but I definitely have more of a focus now, but not, not when I was younger. Well, there was obviously, I'm just thinking there with the working from second year in school, there was obviously, you, you obviously have a strong work ethic. There was some sort of drive there. Yeah, I suppose that I haven't thought of it like that, but I certainly like my independence. I like to be able to do my own thing. And I also like have lots of friends from the various jobs that I've done over the decades. And so I think that's really nice to have like friends from all over. That's so kind of part of your social life as well. So what happened when you left college? I did sociology and library and information studies in the arts degree. And I like really enjoyed both of those. And then I kind of unexpectedly got a scholarship from my results to to do some postgrad study. So I kind of floated into that because I was like, oh, great. Someone's someone's going to pay me to do this. So that's super. What was that in? In, in I, I went into computer science. 
um, because I had had some exposure through library studies, um, right. database design and things like that. And like I was kind of intrigued by that and I was enjoying it. So I said I'd I'd look further at it. So I ended up starting a PhD in like what was the big thing at the time was information retrieval. Um, this is kind of in the very early days of Google. So search was... I suppose, kind of in its infancy and there was loads of scope there. But a couple of years into that, then I just felt like, oh, I'm not going to get like decades out of this. It's just not, it's not holding my interest. So that's when I decided to do my first change. So was that when you went into the fire brigade? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So like I just, I was at the desk with my data and my programming and I was enjoying it, but as I said, I I couldn't see myself doing that for, you know, another 30 or 40 years. I I needed a more dynamic day. I kind of felt like I wanted to be outside a bit. And I definitely felt like I wanted to feel fulfilled and to feel like I was helping people in a much more concrete way. So I literally sat down and kind of wrote out a list, like quite methodically, at that point. And that, I think that's when I became more conscious of, of where I was steering my life. So I kind of came up with something medical because it would be helpful to other people. And also your day is going to be different. At the time, like financially, I wouldn't have been able to do graduate medicine because I needed to earn money. It's quite costly, the fees. And obviously you're, you can't really work much while you're doing it. So I came around to the idea of becoming a paramedic and one of the best routes to do that in Dublin is with Dublin Fire Brigade because they provide the city ambulances. So everybody is both paramedic and firefighter in the job. I said I'd apply for that, kind of not expecting to get it. And I did. So did the training for that and was there for 12 years then. Wow. God, it's been so alien to me, the fire brigade, while I'm such a, a scaredy cat and I'm not very practical as well. So I think I wouldn't have flew. Was there many women in it? Not that many, but plenty of inspirational women in there. Yeah. I think it's just under 5% in Dublin. Right. So say there's maybe, like as a rough estimate, maybe 900 operational personnel there might be maybe 40 or 50 women so for example like when I started my first station was Fingless and I would have been the only woman on my watch in that station and there was one other woman on one of the other watches so like at the time there wasn't they were only just putting in a changing room for us but you know things have come on a lot since then thankfully and then going from research to the fire brigade, I can imagine that was a world's part. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Very different jobs. And I know you're like, you're quite interested in your coaching and stuff about crossover of skills. So they're probably like, probably not too much crossover there on the operational side, but I absolutely loved that work and I miss it. Like the excitement, the buzz. You just never know what to expect. And the some of the great characters in there and some mm. really fun people and some really inspirational people that like, they're just fantastic. So I do miss it. But 
you know, coming near the end of my time in the fire brigade, I got seconded to the training centre and kind of pulled back into the computer arena again. Right. And so I was developing e-learning for firefighters and just looking at the like training management system and things like that. So definitely those skills, computer skills are applicable, I suppose, to every profession these days. So is there a part of you that kind of liked the adrenaline of, I presume, the the rush and the, the drama of it all? Yes, definitely. 100% 100% and it might inform like my future decisions about like a specialty when I get to that point of maybe emergency or you know something along those lines so we'll see but yeah certainly it was brilliant I loved it. Okay and so then you loved it but you decided to leave how did that come about? So I suppose like the pivot point for my decision to leave the fire brigade was probably to do with my mum's illness. It's also an extension of my previous work. Like I loved being a paramedic. I found great fulfillment in that and just the privilege to kind of take a patient history and be with the patient and their family. Like at the time when they're having sometimes the worst moment of their life, it's an amazing privilege. But when you hand over a patient at the hospital, you never get to see like what happens to them or, you know, yeah. what the final diagnosis was. So I feel like going to study medicine, I get to follow the, the patient and see what the outcomes are. But certainly like my mom had a chronic illness from the time I was about three. So I was always like, we were always in and out of hospitals anyway. So I suppose it's, I feel in some ways it's a natural environment for me. Yeah. But she spent probably the last two years of her life in hospital and we would have been there a lot with her, myself and siblings. So just seeing like other doctors at work and also unfortunately seeing the shortage of doctors and yeah. uh, nurses and staff in Irish hospitals, I just really wanted to kind of maybe in some way help with that. And I thought, yeah, sure, I'll give it a bash. Maybe I can help and maybe I can become a doctor and, and stick around and help other patients. So you then left the fire brigade and applied to go back as a mature student to do medicine. Yes. So for grad med, it's all graduates in my class for the first two years of preclinical. And then afterwards, you kind of join up with the undergrads. But essentially, you don't go off your leaving cert results. So you have to do a graduate entry admission test, which is the GAMSAT, it's a lot of science. So you, you basically need to go back and teach yourself organic chemistry, physics, biology. There's a bit of ethics and stuff like that in there as well. Oh so you pass that as your first hurdle. So that was the first thing. And I kind of said, right, I'll, I'll spend a couple of months studying for this. And if I get it, happy days. And if I don't, I still have my job. So I can stay there. <laughs> so that's what I did. And you did that and obviously got the... Yeah. Words. Yeah. You probably underestimate yourself a bit. Like, you know, you were saying that you kind of fell into the scholarship and you applied for the fire brigade. You didn't think you were going to get it. And, and then you, you know, it's really hard to get into medicine. So I think you're very determined. And Well, I think we're often our own worst enemy in that regard. And yeah. that's probably one of the things that you, I would say 
have to work hard with and coaching yeah. people like is that we're we're kind of always putting ourselves down. And definitely I've heard so many Irish women like dismiss ourselves before we even speak. Like we'll yeah. preface things with, I might be wrong, but I don't really know if this is the right answer, but I'm just going to say, and you're like almost, you're almost telling people not to listen to you or you're telling yeah. people that you're wrong before you've said anything. So I think, yeah. I think, you know, being our own champion a little bit is really important for. Yeah, definitely. And, and actually I've, I've stopped putting just in communication, like, can I just say, or can I just make, because actually taking that one word out just makes things sound much more decisive. Uh, Because it sounds like you say you're asking for permission to even be speaking at all. And I suppose the not to focus on ages, but the reason I'm asking is because people often think, say in coaching, that they they're a certain age that they can't go and do something. Oh, I'm too old to go back and do a course. I'd love to do this, but sure, I should have done that when I'm 20. And they kind of rule it out. You were 36, was it going back? Um, 38, I think. 38, wow. Yeah, it's it's definitely something I considered because like I was at the top end of my earning in, you know, on the scale in the fire brigade. You do think like, you know, will I be able for the long hours and how will I be kind of viewed as an older person? And also you're surrounded by lots of people who are younger yeah. and, you know, very different phases in their lives and they have different priorities to you so I, I kind of worried a little bit you know like will I be able to relate to them will they be able to relate to me but I thought back then actually to some of the the people that I trained with in the fire brigade I was I think I was 26 when I did my training and like some of the guys were in their late 30s yeah and that was obviously very very physical so you know got inspiration from them and thought you know if they can do that then why not? Yeah, um, exactly. Why not? I had worked nights anyway and, you know, as well used to putting hours in. So, yeah, I think you're never too old. Like you might turn around in 20 years and regret not doing it. And I think what surprised me was when I spoke to you about this last year, you were saying you weren't the only person mm. in your circumstances. There's a few other mums that are going back to do medicine as well. Yeah, there's three parents in my class and I know there's a couple in, you know, some of the upper years to us. So that's that was a really, really nice surprise. You're definitely the small percentage, but that was a really nice surprise. And we kind of stick together and we try and help each other. And it's it's a good support group for the husbands as well. Um, (laughs) There's a couple of dads um, on the course, too, in different years. And they like they have their challenges as well. So like overall, you just have to be very organized, but it is doable. And I think, though, what that says to me about the fact that there's people in a similar situation to you going back, that it is a real vocation, I suppose, because doing medicine at any age, it's a longer degree than your average degree. It's more intense. There's more study. There's more points to get into it. To do that with more commitments later on, you must really, really, really want to do it. Yeah, like you're you're definitely, you're at a loss of income. You're starting back 
at the, the bottom of the ladder. And like in my case and, and the other parents, like you're paying for childcare as well as paying college fees. It's a vocation for sure. And it, it's lovely to be surrounded by people who kind of share that vocation. Okay. And you were going into third year. Third year. So how have the first two years been? Were they what you thought they'd be? Well, I suppose the pandemic definitely <laughs> made it slightly different. And in some ways, as a parent, it may have made it a little bit easier because we weren't commuting as much over to uni. So that saved a bit of time. But then like school closures and things like that had an impact. And my husband is a frontline worker, so he wasn't here despite being an amazing support at other times. He wasn't working from home. So that was a bit of a challenge. But yeah, like it is a relentless kind of day in, day out, 12 to 15 hours of like studying tutorials. And then outside of that, making sure everything else is taken care of, that the kids are healthy, that they're happy, they're learning and uh, the house is kept running. God, you must be extremely organised to be able to manage it all. It's uh, sporadically it all falls apart, but then you just you have to pick up the pieces and kind of take a breath and and get back into it then into a routine. So, yeah. And I suppose what has been the best bit of you? I know it sounds very intense and you've done two years of it and during the pandemic as well, which must have been mayhem. But I suppose, were you, how quickly did you know, oh, I've definitely made the right decision? I think I probably questioned it at some point (laughs) every single day on my mat. (laughs) No, I've enjoyed all of the modules that we've done and all of the different like things that we've studied. So I'm delighted to be lucky enough to have really enjoyed it. But certainly like when my kids say like they're proud, that's the best bit. And to be able to kind of think, you know, you're giving them an example that that when they're older, they can, you know, they know, like they can change their mind. The leaving cert isn't going to define the rest of their lives. And if they want to do something and they put the work in that they they can achieve it, you know. And that what age are they now? They are seven and eight. Seven and eight. So even that language of proud, they, for a small kid, yeah. they to their mom, they're proud. That's really cute. Yeah, I think the school's, particularly primary school, which is what I've had exposure to via the kids. They have so much emphasis today on well-being. They can label their emotions and they can accept their emotions like anger or happiness and sadness, um, which I think like often our generation are terrible at. Yeah. (laughs) So hopefully they, as they come up behind us, that we can learn from them on the bit of self-care and just accepting like our own different feelings that we have. Well, that's lovely to hear that. I'm sure they're hearing it from your husband as well. I'm sure he's saying he's proud of you so, and the rest of your family. So, I mean, you've said the challenges, you've said the bits that you were enjoying. And a question sometimes I ask people is, so you've obviously had lots of detours to get to where you are. If you could have had a more direct route to get to do medicine would you like it or would are you grateful for the path that you've taken I just wouldn't see them as detours like I think a lot of people are really supportive and other people kind of I have had people say you know oh god like how can you start 
back at the bottom of the ladder. But actually, I see like the work I did, say, in computer science or in the fire brigade, that like that work had value in itself. I don't feel like I'm starting my career or restarting my career. I, I see it as it's all been on the same path. And definitely, like, you can look at it as, you know, being a jack of all trades, master of none, or you can look at it in a positive way and say, I'm going to take the things that are applicable from each detour, I suppose, into the new chapter and use those to your advantage. Um, I certainly think my experiences as a pre-hospital practitioner will help me as a doctor because the doctor's practicing in the clinical environment, whereas I've been in people's homes and yeah, yeah. You know, in a paramedic. So, you know, people are living in stressful conditions or they might be, you know, just not have the best home conditions. You have a really good understanding of that or people who are living in homelessness. I think you have it gives you a good sense of empathy and certainly computer skills are going to be applicable anywhere in research for medicine or in, in terms of data analysis and audits and stuff like that. So, yeah, so not detours. I think of all a progression. Okay. So no, no regrets then? No regrets. Sometimes when I hear the, um, the sirens go past, I do get a pang of like, <laughs> I miss the buzz, but I'm sure there's plenty of excitement up ahead. Surgery is um, kind of similar feeling of, so much is at stake and things have to be done right. So definitely seeing the surgeons at work has been really exciting for me and a real privilege um, to see them work under those conditions. And uh, yeah, so there's excitement there. Yeah, so it's funny. So there's obviously that you're obviously very empathetic and you want to be working in a profession that's helping people. So but then there's obviously a part of you that loves all the the drama and the excitement as well so sounds like medicine is going to be ticking multiple boxes and so do you know are you is that kind of does that determine what you might specialize in in the future then yeah I suppose um you're competing all the time in medicine so like when we graduate after four years you apply for an internship you do that for a year and then you apply for your first post postgraduate training course, which is a couple of years long, and then you apply for your specialist training course. So, um, I mean, you're you're maybe not always going to get your first choice, but yeah, like I mean, also your these decisions aren't being made in a vacuum. I think, like, as someone who's married and as someone who has children, it, it isn't just me making decisions about my career. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's the four of us talking things out and like there's there are other people with other goals in our house so it's something that we'll we'll decide along the way have you a top two potential Uh, specialties are too early to say it's early to say we're starting we've done a little bit of clinical stuff and rotations and the next year and a half are all in the hospitals so I think it'll come out in the wash okay if somebody is stuck or somebody is like you and they really are drawn towards something and it, they kind of keep coming back to it, but they're afraid to make the decision, what kind of advice would you give them? You know, if you're on the fence and you're afraid to take a leap, 
I think it's all well and good to kind of have a Hollywood idea of like, oh, you can achieve anything. It's not, we are constrained by finances or by particularly as women, often by like duties that we have caring for dependents and whether they're children or spouses or parents. So it's not always as, as easy as it looks, but definitely I think planning it out, breaking that goal down into achievable steps is really important, like just small chunks and being really consistent about working towards it. It's not all or like it all doesn't happen, have to happen in a really short space of time. If it's something like going back to study a new a new course, then maybe you can start doing something part time or maybe you can take a career break. You know, you don't always have to like fully commit to the thing. You can try before you buy. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But work it out and make sure you have a support network around you and make sure that like you've planned out like financially how you're going to manage and and time wise, how you're going to manage all your different obligations. And I thought what you said earlier about how you figured out to get into the fire brigade in the first place was really good about you just wrote all the things that you liked, like being outdoors, you like the buzz, the drama, like different things. And then that kind of narrowed down yeah. what might fit that. That's that's a really useful tool. It sounds like something I would do in coaching as well. Yeah, so I wish you the best of luck with the next chapter in, in medicine when you've completed and when you move into to specializing further so thanks a million for being on thanks for having me Elaine thanks to my lovely guest today and thanks to those of you that listened if you like this episode please share or tell a friend I'll be back next time to talk to another amazing lady who has reinvented her next chapter